Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the Premier rose in the Legislature earlier this week and said, and I quote, I don't understand this affordability stuff, end quote. Well, that certainly explains a lot. British Columbians are paying the highest gas taxes in North America, and they're going up, with the Premier doing nothing. Housing prices are skyrocketing, but the Premier's affordable home promise is going to take 100 years to complete. Rents have gone up 20% in Vancouver in the last six months alone, yet nothing has been done about his promise of a renter's rebate. While it's clear, and the Premier admitted it here in the Legislature, that he doesn't understand affordability, could he possibly tell us why he has failed to keep a five-year promise related to a renter's rebate? Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's, uh, it's interesting to hear the members on the other side and their newfound uh, concern for the struggles of ordinary people. When they sat over here, they gave tax breaks to the wealthiest 2% and made everyone else pay for it. MSP premiums doubled. ICBC car insurance rates went up over 30%. Roads and tolls, Members. roads and bridges were told their government created the housing crisis by putting speculators and developers ahead of people. Here on this side, we've continued to reduce costs for people as we as we invest in the services. Members, that they please count on. come to order. The new ICBC rebate, thanks to our work to fix ICBC. The child opportunity benefit up to $2,600 a year to, for a family with two children, reduced child care costs, lower car insurance, ended MSP premiums. There are many more, but I'll wait for the supplemental to list those. Leader of the official opposition. Members, <laughs> members, it's a question period, not a comedy show. Well, apparently, while the minister yesterday missed the question by a mile, uh, he's no better today when he got up, was given a chance. He absolutely missed the entire point of the question for a second day in a row. <laughs> Let's try it again, and let's hope this time we get somebody who actually understands the importance of the renter's rebate to get up. So it's easy for the Premier to actually stand in the House and say he doesn't understand the affordability stuff, and it's even more so after he gave himself a $40,000 raise. But British Columbians struggling with higher gas prices, higher transit costs, higher grocery costs, you know, to the members opposite, British Columbians do understand the affordability issue. Jennifer Bradshaw of the volunteer advocacy group Abundant Housing Vancouver is clear that help for renters is needed now as the market only gets worse. And I quote, 
Low-income renters should really have those sorts of supports, and they sh that should have happened much more quickly." End quote. While the Premier may not understand affordability, and he admitted it here in the Legislature, I think he should understand keeping his word to British Columbians. It's been five years. Where is the renter's rebate? Attorney General. Thank you. Honourable Speaker, I want to thank the Minister of Energy who clearly saw my first reading speech and thought he would step in to assist. Uh, obviously, uh, not my best day in the legislature. We'll try to turn it around here. Uh, the Minister of Finance is working on the, the renter's uh, uh, rebate. Uh, that policy work continues. It's an important issue, I thank the member for raising it. Uh, but it's also important to recognize what we have done uh, to keep rents down. And one of the things we did was we got rid of the additional 2 percent that got, got charged every year for renters. That's saving families thousands of dollars, but it's important to recognize that those are families that are already in rental housing, and there's a whole bunch of people who are looking for rental housing, and, and uh, the member quoted uh, abundant housing, and I agree with the, the advocates in that group that believe we need more housing. And that's why I'm really uh, proud that in our first three years, our government registered more rental units for construction than the old government did in the previous decade. What? More than 53,000 new homes were registered last year. That's the highest ever since BC Housing started collecting data in 2002. And we turned 18,000 empty condos into rented homes thanks to the speculation tax, which, by the way, they voted against and opposed. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, you know, Mr. Speaker, despite the Premier's election's promises of no new taxes, there are now three new taxes being brought in by the NDP this budget. No wonder he says he doesn't understand this affordability stuff, Mr. Speaker, because he also doesn't understand how to keep a campaign promise. The Premier is going to tell you now what your used car is worth. And if you happen to get a good deal, well, too bad for you. The Premier is going to tax you on the higher amount that he feels your car is worth because, as some of his members have alluded to, apparently you're a tax cheat if you find a good deal on a used car. The budget document on page 91 was very clear that the people hurt by this change are, and I quote, more likely to be low and middle income people, end quote. Again, why is the Premier going after low and middle income people who are just looking for a good deal on a safe used car. Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, PST has always been payable on privately purchased new and used vehicles. That hasn't changed. In fact, post uh, HST, it was Kevin Falcon who chose to apply PST to used goods in this province. Yes, yes, I have to inform the House of, of, that, of, that, of that truth, Mr. Speaker. But however, however Mr. Speaker, I, I think it's important to really understand, and I'm really pleased to hear that the member opposite actually read the budget document, uh, but if he look, turns to, page, uh, to page 159, he will see uh, table A4.1, the net provincial taxes since budget 2016. And what do we find, Mr. Speaker? Well, what we find is that if uh, your uh, family net income is $30,000, 
Um, you are paying, um, it, back in 2016, you were paying $177 in taxes. And now, actually, there's $1,442 back in your pocket as a result of the decisions of this government. And if your family net income is $60,000, you used to pay $4,238 a year in taxes in 2016, and now you're paying $1,539. Wow. And let's, let's, let's take it up another notch, Mr. Speaker. Um, if your family net income is $100,000, you were paying $7,473 in 2016, and now you're paying $5,658. Member for Kamloops North Thompson Supplemental. Let's hear the question, please. Members, let's hear the question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And if you happen to be in those income brackets and live in the finance minister's riding, you're paying an extra $4,500 a year to rent because you can't afford to purchase either. That's under this government's watch that that's happened, Mr. Speaker. It makes no sense that a Premier who, and I quote, doesn't understand this affordability stuff gets to decide what a good deal on a used car is. It's not just used cars though, Mr. Speaker. The cost of transit is scheduled to go up. The cost of getting from Surrey to Vancouver is rising to $185 a month. And the cost of gas is still the highest in North America. In fact, Mr. Speaker, these rising commuting costs are a direct result of the Premier removing the revenue neutrality to the carbon tax. How much longer is it going to be for commuters, whether it's a car, bus or SkyTrain, to see some actual real help in this affordability crisis from this government? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Um, no doubt it continues to be challenging for British Columbians during these very uh, challenging times coming off of, of COVID and certainly what we see happening in, in Ukraine, it's added to uh, in increased pressures for, for sure, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but I think it's really important to recognize that if we hadn't taken the actions that we've been taking over the last five years, just how much harder it would be for British Columbians, Mr. Speaker. Remember, tolls, we, they're gone now. They're gone. MSP premiums, Mr. Speaker, they're gone as well, Mr. Speaker. To the work of my colleagues on either side of me, uh, ICBC now, uh, not only is it in the black, but we're giving rebate checks to drivers. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, free, free transit, free transit for children under the age of 12. So, Mr. Speaker, if I might read into the record what that means, because for a whole lot of families, the family vehicle is the bus. It is the bus. And for uh, we've heard from uh, Bikram, who lives in Vancouver with two children. And this is what Bikram had to say about what it means to them to have free transit for, for, for their children. For a working family like ours, free transit for kids under 12 is such a big help. This year, we would have spent around $1,400 on transit passes for our two young sons. We can certainly put those savings to good use. We rely heavily on public transit in our day-to-day -day lives. We use public transit to visit our families and take the kids to the various activities like skating, swimming, soccer, and Kumon. Both Thank our you. children will absolutely benefit from tr free transit, and so will our family. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Speaker.
Member for Saanich North End Islands. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yesterday, we uh, celebrated the, the uh, tabling of the Declaration Act uh, Action Plan. We've uh, repeatedly committed uh, to repairing the legacies of colonialism, to upholding Indigenous rights, including their rights to their territories, uh, rights to fish, hunt, gather medicines, foods uh, uh, unencumbered. This week, uh, Angelina Hopkins Rose uh, from uh, Chatham Nation was uh, in the news. Hopkins Rose um, is calling on the uh, government to pause a proposed land management plan to spray uh, glyphosate and other poisons uh, in the unceded territories of the Stolo, the Chatham, uh, the Nunclaclatmuk, uh, Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh uh, First Nations. Hopkins Rose's activism has been successful, uh, Mr. Speaker. This weekend, uh, my constituency office, actually our constituency offices, received over 2,000 emails uh, on the issue. The management plan uh, in question takes effect uh, tomorrow, and uh, we'll have these carcinogenic chemicals sp uh, sprayed broadly across their land, lands where Indigenous peoples regularly harvest uh, berries and other traditional plants and medicines. Um, Ro uh, Hopkins Rose is saying there was not nearly enough uh, consultation with Indigenous peoples on this, on this uh, management plan. My question uh, through you, Honourable Speakers, to the Minister of Forests, in keeping with our commitments under the Declaration Act, Will the minister pause the spraying of glyphosate uh, set to begin tomorrow and order a consultation with Indigenous peoples that have been affected by this? Minister of Forests and Lands. I thank the member for the question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, and I've, I've done a lot of research on this because we, we've also been, uh, there's questions about glyphosate use in, in forestry. And the effects of glyphosate on human health has been really extensively reviewed by international regulatory agencies, including Health Canada, with the conclusion being that exposure to glyphosate does not pose a carcinogenic or genotoxic risk to humans. It, and it remains an important tool for establishing conifer or conifer deciduous mixed stands and ensuring future timber supplies. Um, but th that said, the use of this herbicide in BC's forest sector has declined significantly in recent years as foresters use a variety of approaches to manage uh, competing vegetation, and including manual, uh, mechanical, burning, biological and, and herbicides. Um, the glyphosate use in forestry it has to comply with BC's uh, Integrated Pest Management Act and steps have to be taken to minimize impacts on environment, including in fish bearing streams. Member for Saanich Northern Island, supplemental. So uh, my question was about whether or not uh, engagement with Indigenous nations as we celebrated, uh, in, uh, quite uh, intensely uh, celebrated yesterday, uh, allowing um, non-members onto the floor of this legislature to speak is a, is a substantial uh, thing. Uh, according to the plan, uh, BC timber sales will be permitted to spray. Whether they're spraying less now than they have in the past makes little difference. The fact of the matter is, is that they're going to be uh, allowed to spray glyphosate and other poisons for the next five years. These poisons will be used uh, to kill salal, mushrooms, Indian helibore, and berries, thimbleberry, raspberry, salmonberry, red elderberry, huckleberry, blueberry, ocean spray. These are all species that are unwanted, apparently. Unwanted by who? I, I don't think they're unwanted by the bears, but they're certainly not unwanted by Indigenous people who have been picking and harvesting these as staple food sources uh, for thousands of years. Ocean spray, as an example of, of the connection that I want to make here, ocean spray, 
as uh, my, uh, my uncle Jacinton uh, talked about, talks about, is the, the sign of uh, Saanich summer. When the ocean spray starts to bloom and we can uh, smell that beautiful scent throughout our territories, we know it's time to go out in, and, and engage our fishing uh, in the summer in the uh, Gulf Islands. And, and these are species that are unwanted, but yet indigenous people have been using them, uh, species such as ocean spray, to be able to understand how to live uh, properly in our territories. Uh, these will just be wiped out with the spraying of glyphosate. My question is to the Minister of Forests. Does the Minister believe that the rights of indigenous peoples to harvest traditional plants are outweighed by the Ministry's uh, interests to maximize uh, harvest volumes by uh, the spraying of glyphosate? Minister. Um, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, and um, I respect the member uh, asking the question and, on, and his uh, considerable knowledge in, on Indigenous people's culture. And, and I respect that, uh, you know, there, there have been changes in this legislature and we are working with Indigenous people. In fact, under the BC Integrated Pest Management Act and the BC Integrated Pest Management Regulations, the use of herbicide and products of, uh, in forestry for vegetation and uh, invasive plant control, it requires authorization by way of registering a pest management plan, which, which requires first Nations uh, and, and public consultation, but First Nations consultation. And that is something that we take very seriously. Every year, a notice of intent has to be uh, submitted to the Ministry of Environment and Climate Change uh, with detailed treatment maps. And again, that, that consultation with First Nation is required. And um, there's also been new technique on, on losing superior orchard seed, improved nursery techniques. Um, fast-growing seedlings and well-timed plantings so that uh, we can improve plantation survival in areas of high vegetative competition, thus reducing the amount of, of herbicide used for plantation management. I just I visited the uh, plantation, the centre in Vernon recently and, and saw the work that was being done on this, the considerable work being done to try to improve uh, uh, the seeds that, that we are using right across the province to ensure that we can use less herbicide and, and when it comes to uh, making sure that we are investing in our forest but it's also it's very critical that they also consult with indigenous nations which is part of what the act is about opposition house leader uh, thank you mr speaker uh, well the premier uh, says and i quote he just doesn't understand this affordability stuff end quote uh, but i'll tell you this uh, many small businesses in this province understand the affordability crisis uh, the ndp have failed they have failed to act on the skyrocketing property taxes on unused airspace over the heads of small businesses, and this is forcing uh, many of these small businesses to either raise prices or to shut down for good. That's hurting popular restaurants like Red Burrito on Lonsdale Avenue, which is closing down after a decade and a half uh, of being in business. They, they closed because they were faced with steadily rising costs and a shocking 15% increase in their lease costs driven entirely by property taxes. Now, the Minister could act, the Minister of Finance could act to protect local businesses and the people who uh, enjoy them by enacting split assessment. So the question to the Minister of Finance is this, how many businesses will close down or raise their prices before the NDP take action and throw a lifeline to these struggling small businesses? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. And uh, um, we've certainly, sort of, certainly through the pandemic, have uh, witnessed um, the, the challenges of, of many small businesses. And that's why our government has been there right from the beginning, 
uh, right from the beginning, making sure that there were supports available to small businesses, making sure that they had the, the, the ability to keep their doors open. And, they, and, and many of them have been uh, you know, certainly challenged by a whole range of, of, of challenges as a result of, of, of COVID. Um, everything from uh, you know, uh, you know, accessing labor, uh, make, dealing with the, the changing requirements uh, that were recommended by the, the, um, the, the provincial health, health officer. But I have to say, Mr. Speaker, um, you know, with the supports that we've provided, uh, that, that many businesses have been able to keep their doors open. Uh, we recognize that it continues to be a challenge, and that's why we're going to keep being there for business. That's why, Mr. Speaker, we, we continue to have a pandemic and recovery contingency available for this, this next, uh, this next um, um, budget, uh, because we know, we know that we're not through this yet, and that we need to continue to be there for businesses and for people and for communities. Uh, position House Leader, supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, this uh, this uh, is is nothing new uh, to this minister. Uh, this issue was first uh, brought to her attention nearly five years ago, uh, as as the issue was was building, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. We're talking about uh, a lot of small businesses that have been struggling because of skyrocketing property taxes on the unused airspace over their heads. And it's happening in communities all over the province, including in the finance minister's uh, community of, of, of Coquitlam. The good news is that the work is already done. The, uh, the working group consisting of, of uh, a whole bunch of local governments, the UBCM, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, CFIB, uh, have all come together and they proposed this split assessment solution as an optional tool that local governments could use. And many of them have said they would use it. What did the, the finance minister do when she was the housing minister uh, back in, in uh, uh, 2020? She brought in a, a permissive a tax exemption tool. Do you know how many local governments? Uh, she said this would be the silver bullet that would, that would provide a tool for local governments. Do you know how many local governments have used this tool in the last two years? Zero. 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 Not a single one. They continue to call for the split assessment tool. I've introduced a private member's bill. It's sitting on the order paper. I've introduced it five times now. Mr. Speaker, Fraser Young of Lyft Breakfast Bakery in North Vancouver says costs are forcing him to raise prices on his customers, and I quote, everything is up, nothing is down, end quote. Everyone but the minister, business groups, local governments, the UBCM, everyone agrees on this uh, split assessment uh, solution. It's all drafted, it's all ready to go. Businesses are being caught with these massive increases in the unused airspace over their heads. Will the minister either embrace the, the bill that's on the order paper or write her own bill, implement split, uh, a split assessment tool so local governments can do what they want to do, and that's provide much-needed support for struggling small businesses in their communities? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. And, and we know that many small businesses who pay property taxes under their commercial lease are struggling with when there's unexpected spikes um, in their taxes. Um, and and uh, we also certainly heard from the UBCM, uh, which was very divided, Mr. Speaker. They were very divided on, on the member's proposal. Uh, in fact, uh, Caribou Regional District, Whistler, Lanceville, they, they were against it. So the, to, for the member to suggest that the UBCM supports it is actually not, not, not quite accurate. Now, we did take a look, Mr. Speaker. Uh, we, did we did take a look. Clearly, they're not interested members, in what we've done, Mr. Speaker, because members, they keep you know, heckling me. But if, they, if they're interested in hearing what I have to say, I'm, I'm pleased to stand on my feet and continue with my response. Um, we, did, we did take a look at the member's, uh, the member's uh, private member's bill. 
It is too broad. It does not take into account the significant consequences to the entire tax system. And it's not be, and, and, and Mr. Speaker, um, it is not going to give the small businesses the tax break that they need. And so that work is being undertaken as we speak. We continue, we Members. continue to consult with local governments. Uh, we've, and it actually isn't five years, uh, Mr. Speaker. It's actually two years. It's been two years during a pandemic that we've continued to do the work. We have dedicated staff. We have dedicated staff who are continuing to work with local governments, with the UBCM, to make sure that we find the right path to make sure that it works appropriately the way it's intended. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. Well, just like renters, commuters, and small businesses, parents, childcare providers, well, they're also finding out that the Premier doesn't understand the affordability stuff. Jennifer Radcliffe is the owner of Pebble Lane Early Learning in Surrey. And she says, and I quote, promises and agreements are not kept. Most recently, the 2022-23 funding for many daycare owners has been delayed. The funding directly affects staff, families, and most of all, the children. How can we continue to depend on a government that chooses to ignore the owners and make light of our parents' concerns?" End quote. Tomorrow is April 1st. Will the minister stop making excuses and deliver the funding? Minister of State for Child Care. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker, and I thank the opposition member for the question. And I reiterated this yesterday that no timeline has been missed. We've been working hard with providers to make sure we can continue to pass on savings to families and parents and ensure stability for provider too. And I would like to take this opportunity to inform the member opposite that yesterday, staff has looked into all the cases that the member opposite uh, have uh, raised in question period. And we learned that three of the providers have received approval or temporary approval between March 23rd and March 28th. And another provider has received confirmation on March 29th, the day after they completed their application. And the remaining provider was contacted on March 24th. But now, staff has not received a response. So we share the same goal of ensuring providers receiving the support that they need to pass on savings to parents. We want to work with providers to make sure savings are passed on to providers. And if the opposition member has any cases or scenarios, again, I encourage opposition to work with us to bring forward the cases so we can look into them and make sure that providers will get the savings and the parents will have the stability. And to date, my understanding is that all completed applications have received approvals and all the remaining ones are either receiving temporary approval or have been contacted with staff. And we are committed to continue to work with parents as we have been and providers to ensure that we can pass on savings to parents. And I hope the opposition member can work with us, bring forward the cases that you're raising and instead of creating unnecessary fear and division among parents and providers. Member for Ebsford West. Thanks, Mr. Speaker. I got a call yesterday from, uh, uh, from a constituent. He's one of these constituents, I think we probably all uh, have them, who actually watches Question Period. He doesn't get to watch it live, he watches it, watches the late night version. 
of uh, question period. And, and here's what he said. He said, it's the applause. It's the applause that I hear from the government that drives me crazy. Because it feels like they're mocking me. Because I don't understand why they're applauding. Are they applauding the fact that yesterday when I went to fill up my car, it cost me $60 more than it used to, and that's going to translate into $2,000 more per year? Are they applauding the fact that my wife, who relies on a transit pass, is now going to have to pay more, and that's going to cost us hundreds of dollars a year? Are they applauding the fact that the used car we were hoping to buy is now going to cost more because of tax policies introduced by this government? Are they applauding the fact that the shopping cart full of groceries that used to cost us $250 now costs us over $400, Mr. Speaker? Or maybe they're applauding the fact that our rent, his rent, he and his wife's rent, has gone up over $3,300 per year, Members, Mr. Please. Speaker. Or are, they, or are they applauding the fact that despite the ending of COVID-related restrictions, for all of the reasons and more that he just alluded to, they won't be going on a vacation? They're not going anywhere this year, Mr. Speaker. That's what he said. He said, when I hear them applaud, it feels like they're mocking me. He said this, you don't actually have to be on the Academy Awards to be publicly slapped in the face when you hear the government applaud. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. Members. Would the, would the Premier... Members, question please. Would the Premier explain to my constituent and the millions of British Columbians who are facing the same challenges why he and his colleagues applaud their absolute refusal, inability to address in a meaningful way the crisis of affordability facing so many British Columbians? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I appreciate hearing uh, the member's uh, commentary about the, 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 about the, the, the challenges that uh, British, some British Columbians are, are indeed facing. Um, and I, I think it's really important to recognize, Mr. Speaker, that, that there have been some significant changes that we have made over these last five years. And that has made a difference in people's lives. So when you take a look at the fact that if you're a family uh, earning $80,000, a family net income, your taxes back in 2016 were 5,637 and now they're 3,342. That that's a significant difference. But I also think, Mr. Speaker, that over the last five years, if we hadn't, if we hadn't made the changes that, that, that we had made, people would still be paying MSP premiums. They would be paying sky-high ICBC bills. They would be paying interest on their student loans, Mr. Speaker. 
We got rid of interest on student loans. They would be getting the they would be getting paid one of the lowest minimum wages in Canada, Mr. Speaker. And that's no longer the case because they're getting the highest minimum wages right now, Mr. Speaker. And that makes a difference for British Columbians. And Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the average BC family would also be paying $1,000 a year more in rent if we hadn't taken the measures that this government took over the last number of years. And finally, Mr. Speaker, I, I think it's, it's interesting that you know, when we, um, we formed government and the commitment was to fix ICBC and, and there was some, a lot of work to, to do to, to fix that dumpster fire, Mr. Falcon, the Leader of the Opposition, thought that the ICBC rebates were stupid little checks. Well, Mr. Speaker, those stupid little checks are paying the bills for British Columbians, Mr. Speaker. We're going to keep working every day to address affordability for British Columbians because that's what we've been doing since we formed government in 2017. The bell ends the question period.